Hey guys, welcome to the show. My name's Hunter. Moshe. Show the podcast. You mean Project A Plus? That what it's called? That is what it's called. And what am I called? Uh, I don't know. What are you called? Hugh. Hugh Hamilton? That's the one. Hunter From Biden? Melbourne. Yeah, that's me. Welcome to the Hunter Biden show. Melbourne? Yep. Yep. We're both from Melbourne. Are you hiding out from your father or what? Yeah, well, you know, um, well, he, he sent uh, Ukrainian assassins to come after me, so I had to do something. Mm. Mm. This is the only show where I'm going to let the truth known. Did you watch the inauguration? No. I took about three pages worth of notes. Mm-hmm. And, um, That's a lot of notes. I can't read almost none of it, so. Cool. I actually watched the inauguration, and I'll tell you what, it gave me chills. Hang on, uh, my, uh, my boss is on the phone. Your boss is on the phone. Hello? What? I've been fired from the sandwich factory? I don't even get what you're talking about. Did, did you hear about this? It's insane. It's <laughs> no. Kind of insane. So you know how the New York Times has a policy that um, none of its uh, staff, um, presumably not inclusive of the freelancers who they employ, but none of the core staff are allowed to express their political opinions publicly, I believe? Doesn't make any sense. Or something, something like that. Like there's some sort of restriction on on how they can express themselves outside the confines of the Times itself, right? So that's sort of like the time space continuum that we all live in, or rather outside the Times space continuum. So outside the Times, that's like what the revolution. Yeah, <laughs> that was a good joke. Yeah, it was good. Yeah, I mean, you know, for someone who doesn't know anything about Prince, you have to admit that's a pretty pretty good one. Well, you know, you know two things about Prince. <laughs> Wrong. Um, what are you? He, what are you? What are you twizzling about? I don't have any twizzlers. Really, got twizzlers in New York? I do. It was a good. Uh, ate them in a park or something. Yeah, I went to that park that was near the the apartment. Hmm. I got Oreos. You got twizzlers. Remember it was the the ones that had the mystery flavor. That's right. And. uh I couldn't identify it. <coughs> um, yeah, so she tweeted that she had chills watching the inauguration. That's that's the extent of the sentiment that she expressed on Twitter, and she was fired for it. Really? Yeah, yeah. Unless unless the entire story is false, but that's what she said. An editor, wow. That's crazy. But honestly, if you say you well, got chills watching it. the Biden inauguration, yeah, I was about to say that. She deserves <laughs> Hard to feel too bad. No matter what the policy of your organization is, you should let that you should let that one go. Yeah. So, uh, do you have some uh, stuff you wanted to talk about before we get into the meat of the show? Yeah, I just got engaged. To your job. Yeah. You'll be the first man to marry a job. The first man to marry a sandwich factory. This is that slippery slope they warned us about um, when they legalized gay marriage. Well, the New York Post um, article I think is really funny, which is uh, they they quote some like random tweeter who's like, "Wow, this just proves that the New York Times is a propaganda rag for the left." I don't even know what that means in this context. (laughs) That makes no sense because the reason she got fired, I believe, or the suggestion was that it was to do with um, alt right agitators. Hmm. Nice. 
Well, the New York Times always always sucks. So. Yeah. Remember when I used to listen to the Daily? <laughs> daily? Um, did you really? I did for a time, yeah. That's pretty sad. They didn't even talk about Australian news. I used to listen to the Australian um, ripoff of, of the Daily, which was about Australian politics, and the Daily um, in the same day. Yeah, then you decided to kill yourself. <laughs> yeah. Now you've decided to uh, do a little trot out <laughs> suicide by doing this podcast for mm-hmm. what a hundred years? Yep, two hundred years. How long do you think we'll do it for? Three hundred years? We're just a podcast, I guess. Four hundred years? years. Yeah. After that, I don't think we can. Uh, that'll, that'll be it. Um, anything you want to share with the listeners? Nope. Anything okay. uh, you want to share with the uh, listeners? Nah. All right, well, let's get right into the movie, shall we? I did, um, make a mistake. Wait, you should have said... I know, I know. But I did make a mistake at work. Mm. So there is that. <laughs> you get fired? No, but you know how I was put in charge of, like, ordering stuff all of a sudden? Yes. Um, so I have to do like the the orders for every production day um, to make sure we have enough bread mm. and other supplies. And uh, one of the orders is for baguettes. And um, I did the order and I ticked it off on like my check sheet. Mm. And I wrote the email, which is how you order the baguettes. And then I come in on uh, Monday, Monday morning. In the wee hours. Actually, it was. It would have been 11 p.m. Sunday, but it's for the Monday shift. And uh, I open up the email application on the, the work computer. Uh-huh. And uh, I see the emails I sent last week for this, this day's production. And I don't see one about uh, the baguettes. I was like, oh, shit. So I uh, checked the drafts folder. Sure enough, there it was. It had been saved as a draft instead of being sent. <laughs> Lame. Rookie, rookie mistake. Yeah. And uh, luckily, there's a public holiday tomorrow mm. in Victoria because uh, it's Australia Day slash mm. Invasion Day. <laughs> well, happy Australia Day, dude. Not yet. Oh, yeah. I'll wish it to you tomorrow. And uh, it was a small order, so uh, we were able to just cook some baguettes there instead of having to order them. So, mm. not really an exciting story because it was resolved. No. And I didn't get in that It would have been better trouble. if you had gotten, like, uh, some disciplinary action or something. Like, we would have been... If this was a normal Monday, if this was, like, any other week, we would have been screwed. Yeah, it would have been good if you had gotten, like, <laughs> shit can't. Yeah. <laughs> not that I wanted to get fired, but it would have been a better story. It would have been. I don't, I'm not sure I'm even going to keep this story on the podcast. Yeah, this fits like a perfect good, uh, a perfectly decent. Uh... One of those. Uh, it's it's typical. Yeah, what typical it is. of not, your. It's not decent. Boring, it's typical. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a decent example, not a decent anecdote. I set up the story with gusto, and uh, I provide <laughs> a lot of detail up. as if as if it's heading in an interesting <laughs> yeah. direction, and then it just sort of stops. <laughs> just like my life. 
So this is episode 90 of, of Project A+. Plus. Uh, this is the end of a series. Yeah, season... See, this is the end of season seven. Mm. Or series seven, as you don't say, but uh, it's certainly acceptable in Australia or, or the UK. But the Americans like to make the distinction between series and season, as in series mm. is the whole show. Yeah. Season is an individual season, whereas we kind of use them interchangeably. Because you're, you're freaks. And geeks. <laughs> yeah, yeah, fleeks and gleeks. This is episode, uh, this is episode 90. This is episode 90, the last episode of season seven before we begin our 10 episode countdown to episode 100. Season, what's the, what's the next season? Season 10? Season 11? Season 9? Are we skipping from season seven to season 10? <laughs> I think that makes sense. All right. Season 10, the celebration season. Yeah. We're going to celebrate ev- all things Project A+. Yes, we are. Uh, we're going to do that by doing a variety of classic episodes. We're going to do over a bunch of classic episodes. We're going to try and uh, restage some of our failed episodes. We're going to bring it back to where it all belongs. Uh, uh, with a recorded episode about... Well, we'll, sa- we'll save it before we get to it. We don't have to release our detailed plans. We want to have some surprise left in our lives. Yeah. Suffice to say... It's going to be, it's going to be big. Suffice to say, you're in for a treat. You're not going to want to miss this. Yeah. If you've missed the first 90 episodes, fair enough. But you're not going to want to miss these next 10. Yeah. About the 90 episodes you missed. Yeah. In, fact, in, fact, in fact, you can stop listening to this episode right now. So this is the last uh, traditional episode of Project A Plus for some time, potentially. Mm. Probably forever. But we don't know. We're not going to say that for sure. No. We might come back and do a traditional episode if the mood strikes. We might come back and do a whole series of traditional episodes if the nope. mood strikes. Another 100. Who knows? Anything nope. could happen. Nope. I could get married. Nope. No, that's probably not going to happen. You should start going on dates, though. Yeah, no, I don't think so. Why not? You like dating. Yeah, no, I don't know. No, I don't think so. Why not? I think if you if I, if I if I was consciously to put myself out there with the purpose of like getting into a relationship, right? Yeah. I would want to be a better person than I am. <laughs> <laughs> For the sake of the uh, potential mate. No, no. What what we should do is it should be a podcast of you finding love. Yeah, it should be. That should be the new podcast project. That should be the real project A plus. Me finding love. Project uh, marriage plus. Anyway, you're not a, um, we're not going <laughs> to do find one for you yet, unfortunately. No. But again, I'll leave open the possibility of a meet cute. If that <laughs> happens to happen, because I don't have any control over that. That's fate. That's the universe. But I'm not going to go on any apps. I, I really want to like, uh, set up a meet cute for you. And then, like, you know, like, three years of choice should be like, by the way, I, I was the one who orchestrated this. <laughs> Which I'm sure would <laughs> devastate you. <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get into the... the what do we, so, we're talking... That's what we're doing to the future. But what are we doing in this episode? Well, speaking of the future... Wait for the
Okay, so I think um, the best way of explaining the premise of the film that we are going to focus on this week, which is called Outside the Wire, and which premiered on Netflix, is to let the film speak for itself. and uh, Speak for itself via my voice. Yes. And to that end, my co-host Hunter is going to read out the opening titles of this film. Not like the credits, yep. but the explanatory titles, because this is a science fiction story. Ready, ready? I'm ready. 2036. A violent civil war has erupted in Eastern Europe. U.S. Troop, troops are stationed as peacekeepers on the lawless new frontier. A frontier controlled by a ruthless criminal warlord named Victor Koval, a ghost that few people have seen. To combat Koval's growing power, the Pentagon has deployed Robotic soldiers, a.k.a. gumps. (laughs) 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 To active duty for the first time. I'm sorry, did you say gumps? (laughs) That's what it says. I'm just reading what it says. All right, I think that's, that's it, right? Yeah, I think that's it. And then it goes into the battle scene, yeah. Outside the wire. (laughs) <laughs> before we uh, before we uh, get into it uh, what what is the wire <laughs> do you catch that yeah the wire is the the uh, the military air area the perimeter of the military area I guess they did not explain it <laughs> and then outside the wire is the demilitarized zone is that what you call it when there's no military? Yeah. The military's yeah. not in control. The DMZ. Yeah. So as, as, as we said, there's a ill-defined civil war, <laughs> which as the title says, it's, it says Eastern Europe, but really it's just talking about the Ukraine. Yeah. Eventually we get the specifics where it is about the Ukraine and Russia. I guess it could be in other parts of the, of, of Europe too, but that's what it, that's what this, this what the movie said. You can't have a civil war in more than one country. In That's one true. caption. You know well, maybe, I mean? maybe maybe in the future world, this takes place that Europe, Europe is, uh, you know, become a single state. You don't know that. That's true. Um, anyway, that's 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 the that's the context. That's the world yeah. in which this narrative uh, begins, right? the The opening is a battle sequence, um, and uh, we're cutting back and forth between the troops on the ground. Mm-hmm. And the drone operators miles right. away back in America. Particularly one drone operator. That's right. Played by um uh by a very well. Damson Idris. Damson Idris. There you go. And um the there's a bunch of Marines, they're pinned down. Um and a truck pulls up. He's watching the whole thing, you know, back in back in America. And um well, by golly, there's a, I don't, I, I kind of, I found this a little hard to follow, but, but the truck pulls up, it's got a, a launcher, I guess, is what they say. <laughs> I didn't really see how that <laughs> impacted their plan to bomb it necessarily. Anyway, one thing leads to another. Um, 
our hero uh, decides to launch a uh, drone rocket, which ends up killing two Marines. And he disobeys his superior in the process. Yeah. Um, so he gets in trouble for this. He doesn't get court-martialed, but he is reassigned off drone duty and forced to go into the field. So he uh, gets flown out to Eastern Europe and um, basically uh, is like, where's, where's the guy who's uh, leading me? Who, who, who am I under? I'm looking for this captain, Captain Leo. And, um, well, it's Captain Leo's Anthony Mackie. What, what a shock, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it turns out, uh, t- should we spoil it? Should we spoil this? Yes. And this is an early twist in the film. So, as I said, there's been there there are some robotic soldiers. They look kind of like dumb robots. They they're not uh, they don't seem to have any real artificial intelligence or humanity or anything like that. And they look kind of just they, like dumb. They look like, like they they're, they're a projection of what Boston Dynamics is doing right now. They're ch- they're chat chatified. Yes, Chappy or I am Mother or something like that. Um, I am Mother Jesus. <laughs> uh, so um, and their other god comes. <laughs> Uh, but uh, it turns out that uh, Anthony Mackie is actually a robot man. Um, yeah. And uh, he, he's been sent on a mission to... Basically, uh, they're going to pretend like they're delivering vaccines. Well, they're actually delivering vaccines. But the real mission, after they delivered the vaccines, is to get Coville, who's trying to take over some uh, nuclear weapons that the USSR left behind after it dissolved in, in Ukraine and... and He's going to nuke America. Um, but is everything as it seems to you? Pretty much. <laughs> what? What? I guess uh, we don't want to talk about that. We can talk about the final uh, twist in a bit, shall we? Yeah, we'll get to that. Uh, but here, this is really... Uh, uh, that's not what I'm interested in right now. What I'm actually interested in is whether or not you enjoyed yourself with the little movie called Outside the Wire. Hmm. Okay, well, you have, to, you have to bear with me while I uh, lay out my uh, reaction to this film. Mm. So we began this podcast 90 episodes ago. Yes, that's right, 90, even though this is episode 90. There was an episode zero that was never aired. Oh, there are actually multiple episode zeros. Yes, but the, I would say the first one of the that <laughs> yeah. was like the, match, first the format Project of this A+. podcast. Yeah. The first real Project A Plus episode. Um. We began with a terrible Netflix original science fiction film titled Mute. Mm. And we just kept going back to that well, that poisoned well, time and again, until on the very last episode of this run of the traditional series of Project A+, the 90th episode, in fact, we watch a Netflix original science fiction film that is fine, (laughs) not bad, I would say. (laughs) It's the exact type of thing I believe Netflix should be making. So we know they're not the movies. They shouldn't pretend to be Mm. the movies, in my opinion. This is TV. It's TV movies. Give us some, like, trashy, entertaining shit. So is this film great? No. Is it entertaining? Speaking for myself, yeah, it's pretty entertaining. I, I literally had zero hopes for this film being decent based on what we knew of it, which wasn't very much. And the opening explanatory titles, which uh, we quoted earlier, dropped those hopes well below zero. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But then, you know, 
after the initial battle sequence, which I don't think is especially impressive, the, the film proper starts and, you know, I, I started to think to myself, you know, this looks okay. Like the cinematography is not bad. Mm. There's a sense of style in the visuals. The CGI is pretty well, well handled, I would argue. Mm. Um, I would say some of the action scenes uh, are a little on the generic side because it just does that high shutter speed thing um, that started yeah. with um, Saving Private Ryan and uh, is very tiresome at this point. But there are occasional inspired touches. Uh, I thought the performances were solid. I liked both mm. Anthony Mackie and, and Damson Idris. Mm. Um, I thought they were both pretty good here. Uh, I, I kind of enjoyed the twists. Um, mm. I liked the fact that at least it gestures towards an anti-American militarism sentiment mm, no and um the stuff about our inevitable boston dynamics military future was fun because <laughs> this is what will happen oh, not, yeah, the, yeah. not the specifics of like what anthony Mackie's doing yeah, yeah and it will be just as treated as a good thing we'll, we'll, we'll get to this when we speak more about the twist but i enjoyed um you know anthony Mackie's motivations and stuff like it apes watchmen mm. but i thought that was kind of fun who watches The Watchmen, am I right? But, like, I, I feel like I'm overrating this because it's such a novel feeling to be watching a Netflix film and thinking, hang on, am I actually kind of being entertained by this story? Is this, like, not complete garbage? So the question I'm asking myself is, is this Stockholm Syndrome? Or mm. is this not that bad? Tell me. Tell me. I need your opinion to uh, validate mine. Okay. I, I, you know, I'm going to say something. Which is that for the first maybe hour, hour and a half, I was enjoying myself. There you go. I don't think this movie is good. I think all the action is really bad. Yeah, but the action is not great. I, I liked how like dumb it was. <laughs> mm. It just felt everything about it just felt so like cheap and dumb that I was really I really enjoyed myself. Uh, and then I gotta say, as soon as uh, Anthony Mackie and Devlin turned out to be a bad guy slash maybe good guy. I was like, okay, I don't care. It's just in the movie. It's too long. It's too, it's too long. It did feel a bit too long. I agree. Um, I was hoping it would wrap up sooner um, than it ended up uh, wrapping up. But nonetheless. Uh, but there, there are, there are so many things I like about this film. I like that the main villain, who I noted in my notes as Cornball, but I think his name is Covell. Covell? Carvel, I think. <laughs> James Carvel. <laughs> Um, you know, you see him, you know, you hear, you hear so much about him, but he's really only in one scene and then he dies and that's it. He gets, uh, um, <laughs> penetrated with his own flag. I, 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 I enjoy just the, uh, sheer like thoughtlessness of the backstory of this film too, where it's like, okay, so there's a civil war in the Ukraine. Yeah, I can believe this, right? But the main, uh, antagonist is a crime boss <laughs> who <laughs> inspires fanatical loyalty in his followers. So we're, we're already kind of in strange territory. Um, I do think that this film is ultimately not that critical of American foreign policy at all. Uh, and I don't think it's critical of the drone drone program either. Cause it's really about like, Oh, you know, <laughs> I mean the, the drone, the drone program used to redeem itself at the end. Right. But, uh, you know, I, 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 it, was, it, was, it was okay. It was okay. I gave it like two and a half stars. Is that, is that adequate? I, I would tip over into the three star wow. Uh, wow. bucket. That's prestigious. Honestly. 
Uh, if it wasn't two hours, I'd probably give it three stars, but it was two hours, so. Whether it was intended or not, I think you ultimately leave the film with the conclusion that, you know, Anthony Mackie's kind of onto something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and but the... the thing that he's onto is that there should be robots in the army. Okay, fine. You know, and that's, that's, a, that's a non-controversial opinion that you can make now because there aren't any robots fighting force right now you know what i mean but they will be it's guaranteed. <laughs> yeah yeah but that doesn't mean it's not a brave stance to take now <laughs> no no <laughs> the fact that this movie ends with like like you know the redemption of the drone pilot i just thought was like really egregious and insane <laughs> so yeah but the the way it ends is so um unconvincing that it it almost affirms anthony mackie's like whole viewpoint because I mean, but, his but, plan. But what is what is should we, should we give the, away the, the question? Yeah. So, but I actually was kind of confused about this. So Anthony Mackie um, is like, you know, he, he betrays. It turns out that he wants the nukes for himself because America is the real enemy, right? Which is true. Yeah. And so he's going to nuke the U.S. That's what he says anyway. But in reality, he's orchestrated all the all the events, which which basically is like getting this dumb drone pilot guy who's the main character to like you know, take away his, I don't know, like, following orders chip and stuff like that. <laughs> Is that a good way to put it? Yeah. Um, and uh, basically he's like, okay, now I'm going to get the nukes and I'm going to do it. But actually at the end, it turns out the whole thing had been orchestrated so that he would permanently stain the idea of having a robot soldier, right? Basically, what he wanted to do was show that um, if they, if if America continues to employ um, artificial intelligence like this, it could result in one of them going haywire and bombing the U.S. And that will teach America a lesson about relying on artificial intelligence and militarism or, or whatever. Yeah, whatever, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> it doesn't really matter, but like that's what that's what his plan is. And he says this is the you know he's doing this to. St- sacrifice the lives that are going to be lost uh, in, in the, the attack on New York for the greater good, right? Mm. Because that will, that will stop um, America's military expansion and um, stop them, I guess, investing in artificial intelligence. No way. No way. His plan is flawed. Anyway, that's his plan, right? And um, we've, we've already seen the fact that America has done bad things in this movie. I mean, kind of. Kind of. I mean, it, it, it has the same thing um, as both uh, war resource. Like, man, isn't war hell without being like, you know what? Maybe America should be in this in this place. I think it ultimately, um, I think it ultimately vindicates the American like <laughs> justification for <laughs> all its all its like it was it was wars, you know. But anyway, like. Anthony Mackie's perspective is that America's gone too far. They shouldn't. Yeah. They shouldn't be in this region. And mm. the AI stuff is, you know, it's 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 a disaster waiting to happen. And he is the disaster waiting to happen. He's just going to make it happen himself. Um, and the the counter to that, the the Damson in Idris character, <laughs> all he says to refute uh, Anthony Mackie when he's trying to set up this missile is. No, we can change. <laughs> we can be good people. <laughs> and, yeah, that's uh, pretty funny. <laughs> and then he just goes back home to his girlfriend. So there's like actually no suggestion that the future that 
Anthony Mackie is worried about is going to be any different. Yeah, ameliorated. But I still don't think the film is... It's, it doesn't end in, like, a, you know... Maybe it's incompetent and articulated and, and alternative vision, but that doesn't mean that's what it's saying, you know? No, no, but, like, that's how it's functioning at the end of the day, I think. I don't know. I, don't, I, don't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, I didn't get that. I didn't get that opinion. I just think its arguments are, are facile because, you know, both of us <laughs> agree with Anthony Mackie. So... <laughs> but uh, I do like... Th- this is something that I, I, I thought was really funny about the movie is that, you know, mo- most girlfriend characters are given, like, maybe a scene or two. Uh, well, this one's only a photograph, which I thought was pretty good. I'm glad they didn't uh, have a scene. <laughs> I just like, they're like, okay, we're just going to get a stock photo of an attractive black woman, and that, that's going to be the girlfriend. Mm. Oh, I did write this uh, great joke. Are you ready for uh, for a good joke? <clears throat> Yeah. I'm just going to open up my notebook real quick. <laughs> Francois Truffaut famously said, or didn't say, it is impossible to make an anti-war movie because of the way in which combat is inherently exciting on screen. If he had only lived to see Outside the Wire, he might have amended it with the, fa- with the comma and the phrase, except for 2021's Outside the Wire. <laughs> so, that's a, that's a good joke. <laughs> Uh, now I'm rereading that. That was going to be my uh, setup to ask you what you thought of the film, but yeah, uh, I fucked that up. Oh, it's a shame. Yeah, shame. That would have been good. Take two. The whole conversation. Take three. Um, yeah. I did. Something else I liked about this movie is that the gumps, the like dumb robots that the US and also Russia apparently are like sitting down to the field are. Uh, <laughs> they're so bad at fighting <laughs> they don't do anything <laughs> the entire movie is just they getting blown up like they don't kill a single person mm. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that was pretty amusing. Uh what, what else what, what else is there to what else is, is to this I, I did think I, I thought the actions these were amusing but because, only because they were like so bad it almost like turned into like camp factor you know where it was like the, the gulf between what they are trying to accomplish and what they actually are accomplishing to me is, like, so wide that it's, it's funny to me that, like, you know, it's such a failure on this level, you know? Because it's all this, like, yeah, like, super, like, um, CGI-heavy, like, speed ramping. Like, you can't tell what's happening at any point. Like, there's all this, like, dumb stuff, like, just flying everywhere. Um, like, it's, and, it's uh, not... I don't think that they're terribly handled. Like, I've seen much worse. And as I said, I think... I think the CGI is 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 pretty well um, implemented. Uh, I thought the CGI was pretty bad. <laughs> and there are occasional bits where it's less it's less of an action scene that I think the director, who we haven't named, but whose name <laughs> is Mikhail Havstrom, some sw- you Swedish. Could, you dude. could agree with me that as a as a trivia question, I wouldn't have got it right. So I think when uh, outside the action scenes, there are there are, there are bits I think that he handles with flair. That were decent enough, um, yeah. but yeah, the action scenes themselves were pretty generic. They're pretty bad. It's kind of a, it's pretty a generic film, I have to say. Like, there's not a lot of like meat on it. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> after you kind of run through it, there's like not not much else to it. But it's just so weird that it felt like a normal film. It didn't have it didn't have the Netflix like filter. It wasn't as flat as most of them are. Yeah. 
there's a particular there's a particular quality we've identified with Netflix films in the past where it just it doesn't quite feel like a real film. It feels like yeah. in this limbo between uh, you know TV film and cinematic experience where the budget seems higher and it seems to be approaching what you'd expect from uh, a proper cinematic release, but there's like some element missing and just everything feels flat. I don't think that was the case here. Like this felt felt like a film that we could have seen in a cinema maybe. Yeah, maybe in like 2000 and like two or three. 36. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> After iRobot came out, you know? Um, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, at some point this, this could, have been re- could have been released. And it, and it has the quality of like a proper release. Um, and it, it's the, the pacing and stuff, at least I kind of agree with you that um, it goes on too long and stuff. But like, you know, at least, at least for an hour or so. Um, mm. It clips along like a normal film, and it's just kind of a bizarre experience in the context of of Netflix. Yeah, and you got some, you got some dumb, you know, like like humor stuff. Yeah, and you can you can you can feel yourself like being carried along by the story, which is again just so novel. <laughs> they, they should have had a, a humor chip get deactivated. I would have liked that. <laughs> <laughs> so Anthony Mackie does make a lot of clips. <laughs> He's not an especially realistic robot. It's not deep, but I enjoyed the like the philosophical stuff about um, no. the nature of Anthony Mackie and, no. and their conversations <laughs> in the car while they're traveling from location to location. <laughs> I do think it's funny that they're like, "How do we make this? How do we make this 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 quote unquote philosophical dialogue like a, like watchable?" It's just like, "Why don't we just pepper in curse words?" That's a good way to do it. <laughs> uh, at one point, at one point, Mackie's like trolling um, Idris about his like girlfriend. And then his quip back is like, what do you know? You're like two years old, <laughs> which I thought <laughs> yeah, that, was, that, that was funny. So this is directed by some random Swedish dude. <laughs> yes. It's written by a video game writer. <laughs> so my conclusion is that the formula Netflix should be going for is to give the hacks the blank checks, <laughs> not the promising or established directors. Is she a pretty horror one to blank check? Yes. Exactly. Who would have thought it? This was like not terrible. <laughs> better than um, Okia. Pretty much better than every other Netflix <laughs> film we've watched on this podcast, with the exception of like The Irishman. The Irishman. Um, <laughs> I mean, this yeah. is neck and neck with The Irishman. But. <laughs> no way. <laughs> uh, let's see. What other Netflix original films have we done? I'm just going to pull up the old Project A. Plus. Uh, the Titan. Anon. <laughs> I think I like the Titan more than I like this. <laughs> I don't think so. <laughs> well, we're going to watch it again, so I guess we'll find out. I just, I don't think there's any image in this film that, that rivals. Oh, I think, I think like I might have more fondness for the Titan, <laughs> but partly because of our reaction to I mean, it. I mean, is it, 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 it a better film? I don't know. They're, it's the same crap. Like, it's maybe a little better made, but. It's better than the Titan. <laughs> Like it, it actually like I don't functions know. on its own terms okay, in okay. terms well, of being entertaining. Is the, is the film better? Perhaps did I enjoy it as much as I enjoy the Titan? No. And that's ultimately matters. What could live up to the Titan though? <laughs> remember the Titan? I do remember the Titan. Uh, <laughs> uh, this is better than I am, mother. Okay, I, I agree with that. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so that was your concluding note. Yep. 
All right, so we uh, get into some trivia. Let's do it. Do you have something to sip at in the event? Uh, you, uh... I can grab something actually because I don't have to work tonight. Hmm. So I'm gonna actually grab some. Um, Whoa. Hard hey. liquor. Wow. Because I still have that bottle of um, uh, like Christmas themed oh, rum. Really? <laughs> yeah, I do. Oh man, that's perfect. Well, I wish I'd made harder famously questions. Poured down the sink instead of giving to a homeless person. <laughs> Uh, and you're, you're, uh... And saying Merry Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> Here's half a bottle of cinnamon-flavored or gingerbread-flavored, uh, hey, Captain Morgan's you're probably, rum. You're probably gonna throw up anyway. Why do we make that experience even less pleasurable? <laughs> well, I'm, I'm sticking with water. What? What? I'm fine, I'll get some hard liquor. Just for you, boy. What are you getting? Uh, some vodka, some grapefruit infused vodka that I have. Wow, okay. Alright, I'm gonna grab mine. Okay, I'll be right back. Okay, you ready, boy? I'm ready. It's time for Drunken Mastermind. I'll start. <clears throat> okay. Emily Beecham, who plays Sophia, has a British accent, but is, it a, in fact, a citizen of both Britain and the United States. Can you tell me which state her American mother is from? Wow. Virginia? No. I'll give you another hit. That's, that's kind of a tough question. Well, I got it wrong already. You can't you can't revise the question after the fact. I mean, no, no, I'll give you another guess. I, I was what I meant to say. Right. Uh, Minnesota. No, the answer is Arizona. So drink up. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> That's a pretty bad uh, question. I regret asking it. It's not, it wasn't fair. Oh, I didn't have much time to put my trivia questions together, so I think it's going to be a bad round this time. <laughs> yeah, it's anyway. Fair. I think you're going to get the next the, one, though, so. Outside the Wise co-writer, Rob Yeskum, has written precisely zero <laughs> feature films prior to this one. However, he has worked extensively in the field of video games. Can you name any one of these games? <laughs> uh, the Division. Yes. <laughs> All right, drink up. Are you ready for my um, next oh, question? I, I thought you might have looked that up, but yeah. You ready for my next question? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Rob Yescob was one of two credited screenwriters on the film. He's also credited <laughs> as coming up with the original story idea. Before working on Outside the Wire, he was mostly known as a video game writer. Can you name any of the games he worked on? <laughs> <laughs> the Division. <laughs> <laughs> Can you name another one? The other na- the other titles I didn't really... Uh, Invisible something, Invisible War, I don't know. Well, that's it, fine, I'll, I'll give you that. Hmm. <laughs> that was good. That was good. That's pretty funny. Yeah. Uh, so it's my turn. <laughs> yeah. 
Uh, what is the name of the other co-writer on this film? <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> I, don't, I don't fucking know. <laughs> Drink up, bucko. It's uh, Rowan Athale? 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 You don't even know what it is. I mean, that's his name. If you said All anything right. that was close to that, I would have given it to you. If you said Rowan, I would have given it to you. <laughs> I was going to say Rob Ashton, so... <laughs> Are you ready? Yeah. Though the film is set in the Ukraine, can you tell me which Eastern European country served as a shooting location in real life? I did read this, and I've already forgotten it. <laughs> can, you, can, you, can you recall? Yugoslavia? <laughs> nope. Is that a country? <laughs> Yugoslavia? <laughs> <laughs> Um, that hasn't been a country in your entire life. <laughs> I'll, um, I'll give you another one because obviously that was dumb. No, no, I've, like it's like a photo. I'm, I'm trying to access my photographic memory that I don't possess, and that was the word that I could see remember for some the, reason. Remember the Wikipedia page from the Wikipedia page. Uh, what's good is that it didn't even say what country it was, so. Oh, okay. You might as well turn off that recall. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. The answer is Hungary, and the specific thing is Budapest. So. Oh, that's right. So, so tipple up, brother. Cheers. All right, my next question. My last question. <laughs> okay, I'm ready. In which country was star Damson Idris born? Oh, man, I, I've read this. I think, um... Fuck. Uh, I know he's British, but... Nigeria? Nope, the answer is England. <laughs> oh, really? He's of Nigerian descent, but uh, uh, he was born in England. Yeah, you fucking... You got me. Uh, anyway, shall we uh, move on to bonus features? Uh, yes. Bonus features, bonus, bonus features, bonus features, bonus, bonus features. Let's just plow through. I don't really want to. I think I've talked about one of the films that I watched already, so I can just say that. Go for so, it. Which I watched uh, Martin Scorsese's uh, The King of Comedy. Uh, it's just an absolutely uh, fantastic film. Uh, highly recommend it. Might be my favorite Scorsese. Maybe one of my favorite films of all time, even. And then I also watched uh, Journey Into Fear, uh, which is um, the only film besides the Magnificent Ambersons and Citizen Kane that was affixed with the Mercury Productions logo at RKL. So it's sort of produced by Arson Wells and has he stars and does, a, and does this like absolutely ridiculous accent as a as a Turkish commissar. <laughs> and he's like so heavy. Um, and this is kind of a, a type of story that Wells clearly held very dear to his heart. And it kind of almost feels like a dry run for the third man in some respects, because it's about uh, Joseph Cotton getting lost in this like um, you know, weird, uh, ambivalent European haze, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but it's not, it's not as interesting. And, and unlike, um, 
in the third man where Cotton's like brash Americanness is kind of makes him seem like a fool and an idiot in this film. It's a little more like typically heroic, you know? Yeah. Um, but it is a film not without its pleasures. Clearly it's, it's even though Wells, I mean, actually Cotton is, is credited as the screenwriter, which is pretty funny. Really? Uh, well, yeah. Wells also uh, had some script input and also who directed uh, it? Uh, a guy named Norman Lloyd, who's kind of like a, a toady. Uh, he's actually part of the Mercury Theater Company for a bit, um, but he, he's like a Wells associate. Um, and I believe he had some other job on Citizen Kane too, but I can't, I can't remember. Um, but Wells also is like a co-director. Not that you can really tell because it's kind of. I mean, it's got like you know like standard noir like lighting. Um, but it's a, it's an enjoyable enough time. It's just kind of like, I don't know. I think there are, are better examples of this. Like, you know, I don't know why anyone would watch this, but you could just watch the third man, which is much better. Um, but it doesn't, it's not without pleasures. So I don't know. <laughs> it's, I would say only for the diehard Wells fan like me, is this worth a watch? All right. What have you uh, been watching? I only watched two films. One of which barely qualifies as a film. Um, but I'll speak about the first one now. And that one is, <laughs> it's a weird setup. L.A. Story. Hmm. Why, why on earth would you watch that? Uh, I just saw it was available on a streaming service. And I was like, oh, yeah, I can watch a Steve Martin film. So I, I find that with a lot of uh, Steve Martin's output, both his film work and his stand-up, that I tend to want to like it more than I actually do. Hmm. I think I'm kind of that way, too, actually. Often I appreciate it, but I, I, I find that it doesn't hit me in the way that it seems to be intended and this was the case with LA story like I felt like I was on Xanax watching it or something (laughs) that's pretty funny like that I was incapable of of feeling anything that it wanted me to feel even while I could appreciate it so I would think for example oh it should be funny that the joke about LA traffic in this film um, is in the form of a freeway shootout featuring a shotgun wielding grandma yeah that doesn't sound funny and I could appreciate that that joke is operating self-parodically because it's in the context of a film making these hoary L.A. jokes and it's taking that to an absurdist extreme. But I wasn't laughing. Um, and it feels like there's something missing from the overall product. It feels unfinished. Mm. Um, no, no, it doesn't feel unfinished. That's what I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> it feel, it feel, I'll say that again. It feels like there's something missing even while it doesn't feel unfinished, if that makes sense. So, in fact, it feels like Steve Martin laboured over the screenplay, and I'm sure he did. Mm-hmm. Um, but at the same time, it still feels like a, fem- a, a premature draft. So the mm-hmm. mixture that he's going for of these elements doesn't cohere. So for one thing, the romance at the centre of the film is deeply unconvincing. Um, not that I need it to be electric, but it certainly needs to be more charming than it is. Mm-hmm. Um, as so much of the narrative like hinges on that at least being a, a serviceable part of the film. Um, and the reality-breaking gags, like the, the aforementioned um, highway shootout, don't really cohere with the more straight-ahead romantic comedy narrative. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that the magical realism stuff, uh, like the guardian angel in the form of a street sign, could have worked. Uh, with the main romantic comedy, but again, it felt like it needed more tinkering to get the balance and the tone right. 
So what I, what I would say about this film is that it would work best as something you would stumble upon while watching free-to-air television, I don't know, in like 2001. And, oh, uh, you said that on an episode I just listened to. I know, I say that a lot. And you're, But in this case, it's a little bit different. Like your attention is wandering a little and you might be charmed by some of the unexpected gags in this film because you weren't really expecting this to be any good. Um, and I think in the context of like just trying to settle on something to watch on the couch one night when your options are pretty poor, this would, you know, probably shine a little bit more. But as it stands, I thought it was kind of flat. That's LA Story. And the only other film I watched, apparently, was a film called Simplicity, The Life and Art of Alex Toth. <laughs> what? This was a documentary I just found on YouTube. I'm not sure if it ever got a cinematic release or it was straight to TV, but it is feature length. So it counts, I guess. And it was just a, you know, a, a by-the-numbers documentary about uh, Alex Toth. Uh, do you know who Alex Toth is? Nope. So the one thing you would know him for is the design of Space Ghost, among other Hanna-Barbera characters ah. of that vintage. Um, gotcha. And our generations, or our generation rather, would know Space Ghost, not from its original incarnation, but from the remixes that uh, Adult Swim's put out. Space Ghost, Coast to Coast. Indeed. show I've never actually watched. But Alex Toth is also a renowned uh, illustrator and comic book artist, and he's often referred to as your favourite artist's favourite artist. Hmm. And he is an amazing um, artist, but uh, if you have no interest in Alex Toth, you'll have no interest in this documentary. Not a particularly good documentary, but it filled an hour and a half. I don't, and I won't watch it. <laughs> so there you go. That's what I watched. That's the end of the podcast. Oh.